Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John. I am the host of the Bible in Life and the creator of the entire Bible in Life online ministry, which includes this podcast, Bible in Life, includes the other podcast I run, which is a commentary on the New Testament in audio fashion. So it's a listener's commentary to the New Testament. And you can actually find that on your podcast app as well as at listenerscommentary.com. And I have some online courses that are available on both my websites in various ways. And all of that is aimed at helping people learn the Bible, love the Bible, live the Bible, so that we can actually become like Jesus. And one of the things I frequently, almost always seems like forget to mention is that on my website, I have a free ebook entitled Bible and Life that is designed to help you learn how to dig into the text of Scripture to really learn it, and then what to do with it once you learn it, how to live it out. And so it's really aimed at helping you learn and live the Bible. It's completely free. It's about, I don't know, 35, 40 pages long, and it's right there on the uh, website at johnwhitaker.net. Just put in your uh, name and your email address, and you will get access to that book. It'll also add you to my email list, which means that you'll get uh, my newsletter once a month and occasionally other things as well. So I think it's a really helpful tool to help you dig in and learn and live the Bible. So that's there, johnwhitaker.net, free ebook. Might be worth you checking that out if you're really wanting some resources and tools to help you uh, dig into the text of Scripture and some practices to help you live out the text of Scripture. All right, <clears throat> right here on the Bible and Life podcast, our main goal is to provide Bible teaching that is clear and down-to-earth, uh, helps you live as a disciple of Jesus. It's what I call Blue Jeans Theology. And over the last couple weeks on this podcast, we've been specifically exploring this whole theme of being a disciple and making disciples. And what does it mean to live as a disciple of Jesus? And what does it mean to make disciples? And so we've been wrestling with that. We've looked at some definitions of what a disciple is and, and how that plays out. And on last week's episode, what we talked about is where discipleship begins and what it's aiming at, where it's going, right? So we have the beginning and the ending, if you will, of our discipleship journey, that it begins with seeing Jesus for who he is and having confidence in him, believing that what he said about himself and what he said about life and what he said about us is reliable, trustworthy, good information. He knows what he's talking about. We have confidence in him, so we commit to him. We decide, I, I want to attach myself to him, to learn from him, what he knows and to and to learn from him who he is so that I can become like him. So it begins with confidence in Jesus and thus attachment and loyalty to him. And then the aim we're aiming at is becoming like him. And the heart of that is love, loving God the way Jesus loved God and loving people, all kinds of people the way Jesus loved them. Our neighbors, our friends, our fellow believers, our, even our enemies to love people the way Jesus loved people. So that's the beginning and the ending. We have, we have confidence in him and then we walk with him, learn from him so that we can become like him, specifically like him in how he loves God and loves others. Now, what's the path in between those two? How do you get from a brand new disciple of Jesus who says, I want to follow him, to uh, actually being like him on the inside? And so what I want to do on this episode of the podcast is introduce to you a clear discipleship path. Um, with various stages along the way, so that maybe you could self-assess where you're at on the path and what you need to do to get to the next stage of the path. 
And so you'll know when you're making disciples, like you're pouring Jesus into somebody else, maybe where they're at on the path and how you can help move them along as well. A clear discipleship path. If you're a pastor listening to this, this is critical. Every church needs a clear discipleship path. And the fact is most churches don't have them. Even sometimes churches that think they have them don't really have them. Uh, they have more of an organizational mission statement, or, organizational and you know engagement and assimilation statement or something like that. They have things like, you know, come, grow, serve, share. This is like, I mean, this is how you get involved. So here's the come, show up to church and be a part of what we're doing. Serve, get involved in serving in this way, right? That's not a path. That's how you can be involved in the organization. Even something like crowd, community, committed, core, which is a very common sort of Christian thing. It's like you have the big crowd, then you have the community, then you have the committed, then you have the core. That doesn't tell anybody, though, how to, how to live out their life as a disciple of Jesus. It doesn't give any path. When we talk about a clear path, what we're talking about is a pathway that identifies an individual person's growth as a disciple of Jesus so that they know where they're at on the path, so that we know how to move them along. And if you're a pastor, um, I know not everyone who listens to this is, but if you are, you need a clear discipleship path for your church so that people know where they're at and how to get there. Not only that, it'll help your, your church um, as a group, as a body, do a better job at making disciples, helping people become followers of Jesus and grow as followers of Jesus. If you don't know where they're going and, and where, they're, where you're taking them, it's not going to work. Let me give you a quick illustration before I give you the path. The, the very path we're going to talk about today, the first time I ever put this up on a screen in a church where I was pastoring, I, I put up the path in the context of the sermon, I put up some indicators of kind of like, here's what indicates where you're at on this stage, or if you're in this stage or your stage, here's some key indicators of where you're at on the path. So I put that up on the screen. After service, between services, um, a lot of people in the lobby, and as the lobby began to clear out, I noticed one particular man kind of milling around, and it seemed like he wanted to talk, but he wanted to wait till the lobby was cleared out. And so I kind of watched him, and when the lobby cleared out, he did. He approached me. And he came up to me and he said, hey, John, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. He said, you know that, that thing you put up on the screen, that path thing? I said, yeah, the discipleship path that I put up there. He said, yeah. He said, that was super helpful. And here's the thing. I've been a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, I would say, for about 10 years. And I would still put myself at the new or young faith stage. And I said, really? And I said, I said why is that? I said, because I never knew where to go. No one ever told me where to go. When I, when I became a follower of Jesus and when I was baptized, basically what I was told was, you need to go to church, you need to serve, and you need to tithe. So he said, I've done all those things. I've done all those things for 10 years. I've been involved in my church. I've been a good church member who's been involved. I have served in ways that I can. I have given regularly to my church. And yet, I'm still in a lot of ways, a new disciple of Jesus because I'm not like Jesus on the inside very fully or very completely. That's why we need a clear discipleship path. Church engagement, church involvement is simply that. It's church engagement or church involvement. And you could be a good church member and not be really going anywhere or growing as a disciple of Jesus. Being a good church member is not the same thing as being a good disciple. So that means 
we need a clear path. What this guy was saying was, wow, when I saw that, I was like, all of a sudden I had a direction and I had a goal. And all of a sudden I had some ideas of maybe how I could get there. And what he wanted from me was, so if I'm here, what would you say I need to do to get to here on the path? And we could talk about that. And we did. And that's the power of a discipleship path is it charts a very crystal clear direction for how somebody can grow as a disciple. And if you're a pastor, you desperately need that. The reality is a church as an organization is supposed to exist to help people become and live as disciples of Jesus. So whatever organizational structures we have in place, it's not to serve the organization. It's to serve the people. Organizational structures are to help people become and live as disciples of Jesus. And a discipleship path does that. Now, there's a number of these paths available. Various churches that do have paths use different language. This particular path that I'm going to give you um, is very simple. And the reason I chose that is because I think it's very clear. Me and another pastor were working on this together for our various congregations. And we chose really simple language. And the reason we chose the language we did is because it illustrates growing in faith. Because the heart of spiritual growth is really that, growing in faith. Um, growing in our confidence in Jesus, growing in our trust in Jesus, and growing in our likeness to Jesus. Right? That's at the heart of it. So we just chose the language of faith. And here's, here's the path. Let me just give you the, the various stages along the path that somebody, an individual person in the church, somebody you know or you yourself, right? This is where we're, we're all somewhere on this path. So here's the language we chose. Again, there's lots of them out there. I think this is really simple and clear, and I always opt for simple and clear. So pre-faith, that's the first one. Second one, new faith, then young faith then growing faith, and then mature faith. Um, that's sort of the direction. And you could see where people would be in those various stages. Even people in the church might be in those various stages, right? Like you could have people even in a church attending who's like, they're not sure what they believe yet, but they've decided to come to church because they want to sort it out. They're pre-faith. That's the pre-faith stage where they've got questions. They're not certain what they believe. They don't know if it's um, true. They're kind of maybe ignorant about God or Jesus, or maybe they, they knew some things back in the past and they had a bad experience and they rejected it. And, they've, and now they're like, maybe I want to check it out again. I kind of think maybe this is true. And they're curious, but they're uncertain. They're in the pre-faith stage. Um, they, may be, they may be a little indifferent to like their sin. Uh, they may be a little uncertain about the Bible and God. They may have questions that they can't answer. All those are indicators that they're in the pre-faith stage. But they haven't decided fully if they want to say, yeah, I want to give my... They don't know if they have confidence in Jesus. Remember, we said discipleship begins with confidence in Jesus and deciding to attach yourself to him. A pre-faith person hasn't done that. So they're exploring, they're seeking, they're asking questions, but they haven't decided, yes, I want to follow Jesus. When they do that, when they make that, that movement, right, from... Okay, I'm curious, but uncertain to, okay, I want to, I, I do have confidence, I just want to trust them. Now they've moved into the next stage, the new faith stage. Um, and so now they're a brand new believer. They've got new faith. Um, they don't really know much. So when we talk indicators that you might be in this stage, right, you lack knowledge of 
the faith, knowledge of the truth of Scripture, knowledge about God, knowledge of what the Bible actually teaches, knowledge of who Jesus really is, you don't understand much. You're in the new faith. Today. This is all brand new. So you have confidence in Jesus, but you don't really know a whole lot. Um, another indicator of somebody who's still kind of in that new faith stage is um, life is still, in a lot of ways, life still revolves around them. Like they're still kind of lord of their life. They still kind of see life as looping through them. They're st they still want to make the decisions, and they're struggling with this idea of Jesus being Lord of their life, scriptures being the Lord of their life, right? Like telling them which direction they need to go. They still generally figure they're going to, life is still about them, and they're still the Lord of their life. But they believe in Jesus, and they want to learn, and they want to grow. So we're, we're going to have to help them do that. So that's the new faith stage. So pre-faith, then new faith. Then young faith is the next stage. Young faith is they're growing. Someone who's in the young faith stage is growing in their relationship with God. Um, they're beginning to grow in that relationship. They're beginning to understand who God is, what God is like, what God expects of them. They're building relationships with other believers, other Christians, in whatever way they can do that. They're beginning to get into some of those relationships. They're, they're in the young faith stage. They're even developing some basic um, spiritual practices like... Uh, not only do they go to church, maybe they go to a Bible study where they're build, building some relationships. Um, they regularly read the Bible. They pray regularly, right? So they're beginning to build some of those practices. Maybe they're, they're beginning to give a little bit of their time and maybe even a little bit of their money towards the church or towards ministry or towards mission, right? They're, they're getting involved in um, Jesus' kingdom in some ways and building up some basic habits of spiritual growth and spiritual practice. But they're young and all that. It's all pretty new. Then the next stage is um, is growing faith, right? You're in the growing faith stage. Um, in this stage, man, your relationship with God is really deepening. You're becoming to be more other-centered rather than self-centered. Uh, you're being motivated more by your gratitude for who God is and what he's done for you in Jesus, right? You're beginning to actually see yourself as a part of uh, Jesus' work in the world. You're beginning to look at yourself as you're a part of this. You want to contribute to it. You want to give your time and energy and your talents to it in whatever way you can. Small or big, doesn't matter. You see yourself as, I want to, I want to invest. I want to contribute in, what, in who God is and what Jesus is doing. Um, and so you're beginning to serve. You're beginning to give, right? And, and you're doing that out of gratitude for, for God and for Jesus and love. And your love for him is growing and deepening. So your, your faith in Jesus is deepening and your life is increasingly revolving around Jesus and uh, who he is and what's important to him and, and his values. That's the growing faith stage. So pre-faith, new faith, young faith, growing faith. And then the last one on this path is mature faith. And by mature, this doesn't mean you're perfect at mature faith. It just means um, the character of Christ is evident in your life. Not perfectly and not completely, but substantially and significantly. The, the character of Christ is evident in your life. You, you, love, you love God. You love people, all different kinds of people. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, and 23, right? The fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's increasingly evident in your life. Um, you you um, recognize that God produces the fruit and your key job is to depend on him. So that fruit grows out of your reliance and your dependence and your connection to him. So you want to make sure you maintain that connection at all costs. Um, you're willing to sacrifice yourself and, and sacrifice your time and your resources for the sake of others on Jesus' behalf, right? This is mature faith. 
um, where you're willing to give yourself to others for the sake of Jesus. So you have those various stages in the path with those kind of general indicators or descriptions of what it's like in each of those stages. So where are you at on the path? And one of the great powers of the discipleship path is it actually allows you to self-assess. That's what happened with the guy that met me in the lobby. As we went down through the path, he could see the kind of the descriptions and indicators. And that's why I was like, uh, I'm still kind of down there in that newer young faith stage, even though I've been an active, good church member for over 10 years, right? He could self-assess. So based on those descriptions, right, where would you put yourself? That's why every church needs one of these. It brings so much more clarity, like where is this person at on the path? What do they need next, right? Um, and you can help people grow where they're at. And, and obviously, you know, these are general descriptions. The categories can blur and blend a little bit. You can have some traits of both, right? That's okay. That's part of life. But it at least helps us know what do we need to address? What can we do to move to the next stage of the path? Um, and in each stage, not only are there indicators, but there's key needs. Like what is someone in the pre-faith stage, what is, what is some of the main needs? Somebody who's curious but uncertain primarily need. Well, they need relationships with Christians who can maybe model for them the way of Jesus and maybe answer a few of their questions. They need opportunities to hear the gospel, to hear what it means to follow Jesus and see what their life would be like if they were to follow him, right? That's what they need. They need relationships with people who can point them towards Jesus and maybe even answer some of their questions. That's, that's key needs of the pre-faith. What about new faith? What are some of the key needs of the new faith stage? Well, the, here's what I would say to really make it really simple in new faith. The, the, the two main needs in the new faith stage are they need to read their Bible and pray and do so in relationship with somebody who's a little further down the path. That would just make it really simple. That's, if you're brand new to uh, being a living as a disciple of Jesus, that, you get those two things going, you will grow. You, if you read the Bible and pray, in relationship with somebody who's further down the path um, that can guide you and answer your questions and, and help encourage you in your Bible reading, you will grow in your faith. That's the, the top two needs of the new faith stage. It's actually why there's a Bible reading plan on my website, johnwicker.net. There's a free Bible reading plan. It was actually created for that purpose, for someone in the new faith stage. It was created to be used in our church um, that I was pastoring at at the time, in concert with our baptism gathering. Like, okay, as, as we would have times throughout the year where we were going to baptize a handful of people, we would gather them together beforehand, talk, answer any of their questions they had about baptism, get them organized. And that Bible reading plan was actually this. Who would you say is responsible for bringing you to this point where you're ready to get baptized? Oh, that's easy. That's so-and-so. That's uh, Bill, that's Bob, that's John, that's Mike, that's Elizabeth, that's Sally, that's, right? Whoever it is. And then what our, our plan was with that uh, um, Bible reading plan was this. It was to say, great, um, would you mind reaching out to them and seeing if they would be willing to kind of just read the Bible and pray with you on a regular basis as you, as you get baptized and you begin to follow Jesus in this way? Oh, sure. And then they would reach out to that person, but we as the church would also reach out. We provide the Bible reading plan, which on the back had some guidance for them as sort of the facilitator. And the goal was just read the Bible, have 
the new believer and have you read the Bible three times a week, get together a fourth, you know, a mor- one morning a week and just talk about what you're learning answer their questions, talk about their life in the context of what they're reading in scripture. Super simple, where it gets somebody who's newer in that new faith stage in relationship with somebody who's further down the line reading the Bible and praying together, because that's the top needs of someone in the new faith stage. And all the way down this path, there are key needs um, that if you address those needs, it'll help that person grow as a disciple of Jesus. If you're in the young faith stage, Um, Some of the key needs in the young faith stage are opportunities to ask and explore deeper questions of faith, things that you just can't ask when you're in a large group gathering, things that maybe not everybody might know the answer to, but somebody hopefully in your congregation or your relational circles does, and you could ask them, what's this? Why that? Why does he say that? What does this mean? Um, I've been wrestling with um, I'm not sure I understand, right? Or, man, I feel like I've been praying and praying and praying and God's not answering and why is that, right? So opportunities to ask and explore some of the deeper questions of following Jesus, uh, deeper questions about the Bible, deeper questions of faith. Um, they need that. They also need some faith-stretching experiences. In that young faith stage, uh, they can have faith-stretching experiences where they get involved in a short-term mission trip. They get involved in a week-long Bible camp or something that stretches their faith and forces them to get involved in the lives of other people, uh, you know, in some sort of way for the sake of the kingdom. If people get those opportunities, it really does help them grow. Um, and so on, right? All the way down. Like if you, In the mature faith stage, you, the, one of the key needs of somebody who's in that mature faith stage is with is relationships with people who are in the newer young faith stage. They need those relationships because it'll energize them. It'll challenge them. It'll force them to grow. Like when someone in that young faith stage starts asking and exploring deeper questions that maybe someone in the mature faith stage hasn't ever wrestled with or haven't, hasn't wrestled with for years, it'll challenge them and it'll force them to think and it'll be good for both of them. And that younger person will grow as, as well. So one of the key needs in the mature faith stage is relationships with younger believers. Um, uh, people in the mature faith stage also just need opportunities to guide and coach and mentor and disciple other people, right? They also need people, peers that can press in on them and sharpen them and challenge them and maybe that they can be more vulnerable and open with, right? So in every stage of this path, there are key indicators and needs for that stage that can be addressed um, within the church, within our Bible study, whatever it is. That kind of path brings immense clarity to the discipleship process. Me living as a disciple, um, and what I need and where I'm at and what I need to do to grow, me also making disciples, discipling others and pouring into others depending on where they're at, and I can begin to meet those needs for them as well. So the discipleship path, that's how we go from new faith. I've got confidence in Jesus. Uh, I want to attach myself to him, to becoming like him in the way that we love God, love our neighbor, love our enemies, and all of that we have a clear path that says, oh, this is where I'm going and this is how I'm going to get there. Um, The more we have that kind of clarity, the more that we can help not only ourselves grow, but help others grow in the faith as well. So, discipleship path, I hope that's helpful. I know we went through that pretty quick, but that really is the backbone 
of living as a disciple of Jesus. That really is the backbone of making disciples. And if you're a pastor, that really is the backbone of creating a discipleship or a disciple-making culture in your church. You got to have one of those. If you want more on that, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, I've got some resources I could give you that would be helpful to you on that. I just believe it's absolutely vital and critical to our own life of discipleship and to helping others grow as disciples as well. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. The Bible in Life is a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible teaching ministry made possible by the generous support of people just like you. So thanks a ton for your support. If you want to join the team of supporters, you can do so by going to johnwhitaker.net, clicking the Give button. It'll take you to a page where you can put in a dollar amount. You can click a little box that says Make This Monthly, or you can leave it a one-time donation, and you can set up a donation right there. All donations are received in partnership with World Family Mission, a registered nonprofit. Thanks a ton for your support.